Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Yannick on Chelsea podcast. It's been a little while, but I'm very happy to be talking to you once again, listener. Um, today is an absolutely fantastic episode. I was um, very pleased to be joined by Chelsea historian, author and tour guide, Mr. Rick Glanville. Um, superb episode. Rick's got an extensive knowledge of Chelsea and he's a great chap and good fun. Um, yeah, so it's a really good episode and I hope you enjoy it. Ladies and gents, welcome back to the Yannick on Chelsea podcast. It's been a little while, but I am delighted to be joined this evening by Chelsea historian and author Rick Glanville. Rick, how are you doing, mate? Good, Yannick. How the devil are you? I'm very well. I've uh, I've had a nice sort of break and detox away from the podcast, <laughs> from, all, from all the Chelsea drama. Um, I've returned, re- rejuvenated. Um, I've poured myself a nice drink and I'm looking forward to chatting to you <laughs> about Chelsea. Um, to my understanding, we've both been doing different uh, previews for the game in Baku, uh, respectively. Absolutely. But we'll, uh, I tell you what, we'll, we'll get into that in part two. The listener knows sure. the general format. Um, part one, we're going to sort of reflect on what's been a sort of um, an interesting season. And um, in part two, we'll look ahead to, to Baku, the final, uh, and maybe and beyond. So, um Great. So I'd like to start, Rick, if I may, with mm. with a really broad and difficult question for you. <laughs> <laughs> how um how do you feel about this season? And um is there before we get into any perhaps any intricacies or anything, just um the first things that sort of come to you in reflection to this difficult season, but maybe semi successful season. So <laughs> go, try, try and get into that. I think it's a bit like a, a journey um, where you only you only really know how good or bad the journey was when you finished it. Mm. And I think um, we are very much in that state, funnily enough. I, li- I live in prime Guna territory. I live in Crouch End. Ooh. And I'm, uh, lots of people are, you know, uh, obviously uh, Arsenal supporters and a bit of Tottenham. And there's three, three teams in, in the final thing is driving me around the twist. So I sought solace with, I bumped into a friend of mine. She's a, uh, a Chelsea fan as well. And we were both agreeing that actually, until if you like, it's like a column, you know, this season, until the capital is put on there. And mm. um, we don't know how strong it is, how beautiful a season it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the moment, I, th- I think generally people are, yes, surprised that we finished third. Um, but, really pleased because that's uh, that's an important uh, plank for any club to have um, Champions League football next season. I think um, to reach two finals is good, mm-hmm. but you've got to, this is Chelsea, we have to win finals. We didn't win the one against Manchester City, the League Cup. Mm. We have to win this one to turn it into a, a great season. I think it's a, a good season. Um, because we finished in the top four, and, it, and as I said, a surprise, mm. but I don't care about su- that surprise. The mm. table doesn't lie. Yeah. I also think that, actually, it had things... Uh, if the season was the other way around, um, by the league season, obviously, mm-hmm. and that um, we had had that run of... Uh, 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 say, the run that we had at the start of the season, which was an excellent run that put us top of the table very briefly... Had we had that run 
at the end of the season rather than at the beginning of it, I think our perceptions would be very, very different. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I think I think we would now be thinking, actually, you know what? The, we I think we'd all feel really elated that we'd been uh, floundering a little bit earlier, and then to mm. finish in the top four was uh, was good. But there are so many difficulties. But it's been a lot, so many poor performances. I think over the season that you can't, you know, you certainly uh, unless we win uh, next Wednesday, I I don't think you can call it a a, a great. A great season. season. Yeah, a few things, interesting points you made there, Rick. Um, it's all so much nuance, context, and narrative mm. that sort of uh, yeah, not 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 always quantifiable stuff to be able to look back on. But you're you're right. Chelsea should be winning things, and we should be challenging. But with um with the the context of the season, if you look at your Manchester mm. Cities, your Liverpools, the projects, yes. the projects, the investment, you, contextually, what you're saying, if we won, if we won the Europa League, it would be a great season because, because you know, in comparison to where our club is, the difficulties with the owner, with the absence of the owner, with the, you know Eden Hazard, with the injuries of our two you know amazing mm. academy players that came through. Despite everything, because there is a, there is a sense of we're third despite everything. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's, yeah. that's, that's sadly it's true. But you're you're right to say that it's absolutely. Well, we finished this. We finished as high as it was a kind of a, a possible. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 this season, and mm. really that's uh, that's pretty remarkable mm. uh, to actually achieve your. Uh, the best that you can under the circumstances. Now, people will be frustrated that we can't, at the moment, compete with Mm. Liverpool and Manchester City, but they've had those frustrations with us over the last uh, few seasons. So these things are cyclical. I don't believe in in dynasties. I don't believe that that, um, it will be exactly the same next season. So we'll, you know, we can at least approach... Uh, knowing that we still have it in us. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one thing that sort of unifies the fan base through um, through this divide. But um, it, it is that everyone accepts that we cannot, we're not expected to touch the top two at mm. the moment. So yeah, I mean, like you say, looking back in a year, two years, three years, when you look at the form, finishing table form over the previous seasons, you'll be like, <laughs> oh, there's a nice handsome third for Chelsea there. But you know, <laughs> you'll have to cast your mind back and be like, oh yeah, it was quite the shit show. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily, most supporters can just sort of kind of, you know, consign it to the dustbin of history. Yeah. But I, as the club historian, I have to investigate, mm. you know, why it happened and, and, and write yeah. about this in the future. Yeah, but I yeah. think, you know, I think you're right that there were, if you were looking at the positives, I think certainly the emergence of Callum Hudson-Odoi, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, consolidation to a degree by Andreas Christensen, yeah. um, one or two other uh People, I, I, I personally, and I know this won't be a popular opinion. I think that um, I've enjoyed seeing Angolo Kante add more to his game and expand to to become an even better footballer mm. than the one that we already loved. I think he's expanded his repertoire. Yeah, uh, sure. and I think you Go know, I, I think great. I, I'm really looking forward to mm. uh, what he does uh, next season in that role. So, and also Kepler, I think, has been a success. Yes, very well said. Uh, yeah. I, I, I kept saying when Thibaut Courtois was uh, our goalkeeper um, that we were having great success, but I, I thought personally he needed to make some kind of worldy saves. He needed mm. really to sort of ones that 
take your breath away like Petr Cech used to do, and I know we're spoiled in that respect, mm. but so that you you actually think, well, yes, that is that's a proper keeper, that's yeah. a, a kind of a, you know a, a world class goalkeeper, mm-hmm. and I, and I, Thibaut for me never quite dug them those saves out. Yeah. He he made good saves, expected saves. And he was you know, big. if you were going to do it, exactly, <laughs> if you're going to do a you know like an XG, if you're going to do an XS, yeah, um, then I think his XS would have been Thibaut's would have been about right. Yeah, um, well, I think that's a benefit of Kepa being a little bit more slight because um, he, the mm. saves that perhaps Courtois wasn't making look as mm. good Kepper it looks maybe a bit better because Kepper has absolutely got cat reflexes he's he's certainly demonstrated great um shot stopping ability um but you know he's better with, he's inherently well, I say inherently he's better with his feet because that's the type of goalkeeper he is and that's sort of why we brought him in because he's a sort of footballing goalkeeper um you know as our as our um, mm. Edison and Allison, and that was never Courtois' game. He could, he wasn't good playing short passes, and he'd never no. dis- distribute the ball long. Well, a major flaw, major flaw. Mm. And also, you know, he d- doesn't get nutmegged, old Kepper. So you know, he, no, can, he can get his legs. Doesn't down. get beaten his near post so much. That's a that's a yeah. key thing. So that, that's, I a, think, that's a good point. I Go think on. the other thing about Kepper is that um, I like the fact that he, you can see he's learning. You know, he's still mm. young, and you can see that he's adding. Uh, knowledge and experience. Mm. If you look at the difference between the way that he approached the shootout, uh, uh, yeah, uh, the yeah. previous shootout, yeah, mm. it, uh, and the way that he yeah. responded, yeah, exactly, in the way mm. that he responded in the last one, you can see that he's uh, either he's uh, he's been well coached and they've the, mm. the drilled in messages to him, but I think he's taken it on board himself. In fact, I think he said it afterwards, mm. but I learned from that experience. Yeah, I love that English interview as well. I was very impressed yeah. with that. Yeah. Well, that's it. I think he's, he's a, I think he's a very impressive young man. Mm. And I think this, uh, if he can keep, uh, you know, one of the things that people forget about, well, about Frank Lampard, I used to, I've watched it, I was fortunate, I've been working for the club since 1993, and I saw, I've seen lots of players come and go. Mm. Frank Lampard, uh, every pre-season, he would come in and he'd say what he's been working on to make his game better mm. every year. And it would be something like shooting with my left foot uh, or breaking um, breaking into the box with pace. So he'd work on his uh, uh, immediate um, uh, uh, reaction early. pace. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but kind of, you know, a burst. Yeah, but you know the old thing of all well, the first yards in the head. No, actually, yeah, maybe, but the second yard is definitely you've got to work on that extra. Frank sure. Lampard did that every single year without fail, mm. and um, see glimpses of and I think Kepper. Mm. This is what you. This is what makes great players. If he's looking at it, thinking, okay, what I wasn't doing, I was going, you know, in that the other shootout, I was going down too early. I was uh, making the decision for the player. Um, now, I mean, if you look at the save we made with his shins, oh, that. <laughs> that was yeah. purely waiting yeah. until there was a tell and he knew which way they were going to go. Mm. So I, th- I'm, I, so I think a great success. Yeah, I think that's uh, in him. Balls, didn't it? Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I agree completely. I think also he's he's sort of beaming with a, a sort of an intense self-belief you know he's, yes. compl- he's completely immersed completely he's, yeah. he's all in he's absolutely all in but it's not necessarily ego and I think what you no, agree. What you, yeah what you've just said is sort of more testament to that you know that he's um, he knows he's taking a massive jump up um, he, he mm. completely believes he's in the right place you know he's like yep I absolutely should be here yeah. and um, that bodes very well I, just quickly onto the, um, 
go back on what you said on N'Golo Kante, I don't necessarily think that's too much of an unpopular opinion. Cer- mm. Certainly as the um, the seasons developed on, um, I've actually, I'm a bit of a football sort of nerd when it comes to like mm. stats and analysis and stuff. And um, looking at, um, for example, he's actually become a more integral part of our offensive game. Absolutely. He's um, become really important. He's taken, he's taken a lot of... Um, more passes on off Jorginho, which actually coincides with when we sort of mm. picked up our form a little bit before the very end of the season. And um, yeah. do you know what? Do you know what's a really good example that I that I echoed in the previous episode when we uh, drew two all to Burnley, right? So he, that's when he came off with his with his hamstring. I think yes. Was, okay, so we scored two goals, um, and we looked good when he was on the pitch. When he came off, we looked like we suddenly couldn't score anymore. The um, mm. our offensive passages of play dropped massively, and that was that was due to Kante coming off. But interestingly, him staying on would not have prevented those two Burnley goals. So he says him coming off, him coming off didn't um, make us worse defensively, but it made us worse offensively. You know, I mean, I, I, absolutely. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more, and mm. I think. Uh, the people that want him want to sort of uh, uh, lash him to the post in the centre of midfield and mm. say, "Don't you know, yeah. <laughs> like like the main mast of a ship or something," and mm. lash him to that and say, yeah. "Don't you straight from that." I think a restricting yeah. uh, was potentially uh, well, he's potential, uh, and mm. I think it's yes, he can uh, he can improve and he's finishing. And we know that he will because he's that kind of he's a dedicated kind of player. Yes, yeah. um, he can he can take players on, so he can shift the pattern of play. He can he, he can shuffle things and disturb defenses. Um, the other thing, of course, is that he's able to press really high. If we want to play that high pressing game, mm. um, he can't do that from uh, playing. Uh, in deep in the centre of midfield, he can mm. do it playing in that kind of eight or six absolutely. Uh, well, role. And, yeah, and also there was a sort of myth that you know it, it's 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 it is conditioned more so by media. You know, your Gary Neville's yeah. and your rear, rear Ferdinands are match of the day when they're like, "Oh, just put him back." But the thing is, yes, <laughs> Kante never actually sat back in like a pivot, you know, role where Jorginho is no. that space he's occupying. It, it was a joke, you know, the Kante twins. Oh, he covers every blade of yeah. grass. He's very much box to box, and um, yeah, <coughs> excuse me. Although he's a little bit more, he requires a little bit more discipline to be more. Um, mm. good systemically offensively that's yeah. something he learns but like you say Chelsea fans shouldn't worry about him learning that and getting better but um, yeah you know, it's a bit of a nonsense really that he's going to just go where Jorginho is and everything will be alright because he's not going to be able to receive and release passes really quickly because A that that, that would be uh, wasting N'Golo Kante like, absolutely that would, that right the prime example of that cool so that's um, it's good that we covered that because that's been a big important talking factor of this season um, I'm sure we don't necessarily have to go over it much, but I'm sure we'd both agree that the emergence of Callum Hudson-Odoi and Ruben mm. Loftus-Cheek, um, they change, you know, something that perhaps Sari was reluctant to, to include early doors. But ultimately, whether it was a whisper in his ear from the club or not, he did include them both, and they became starting 11 players prior to um, yes. prior to injury. Um 
I want to get your sort of thoughts on maybe both of them. But um, before I get your, your your sort of little rundown of your feelings of them this season, I want to mm. preface it also with I think <laughs> it's a bit of a news flash. I think Eden Hazard's going to Real Madrid in the summer. Um, but, <laughs> but, um, you think? Yeah. I don't. I, I, I still don't. To be honest. I still don't know. Yeah, I know. He's, he's, he's quite in, he's quite inscrutable. But. I know. But, you know, my 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 hairline's betrayed me another inch over Eden Hazard this <laughs> this season. So, um, so yeah. So I actually think, due to how in the end these players were, well, you know, Ruben's under contract, but I think both Callum and Ruben will sign new contracts at Chelsea um, mm. because. Of the Setting way, up, yeah, so. yeah. Well, the way they've been included, maybe Callum will get the number ten shirt, and also it's a sort of a silver lining to a terrible tragedy. Of I think we'll rehab rehabilitate their injuries and offer them contracts personally. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so, no, so, <laughs> I mean, it's, sounds, a, it's, the, it's definitely the, uh, the the silver lining to a, the cloud. It's isn't a it? very yes. a very small silver. Well, it's not. You know what I mean. Yeah. But so, so, what are your your thoughts on both of them, Rick? And do, would you agree with me on that on that sentiment? Well, I, I absolutely agree um, that, uh, particularly regarding the loss of Eden Hazard and the, really fundamentally um, the stats that he generates in terms mm. of setting up and scoring goals, but also the flair and the enjoyment that the supporters he brings to, mm. to Chelsea matches. I can't really remember uh, a player like Eden Hazard who got your get really literally. Uh, gets you out of your seat because yeah. he plays so scintillating, mm. um, and we've been very lucky to have that. But mm. um, you know, time marches on, and uh, as I said, we we haven't really had a lot of players like that, and we're going to have to at some stage, whether it's after this summer or in the future, we're going to have to cope without him again. But in these two young men, yeah, I was going to say Ruben, a t- touch of that with Ruben from midfield. This exactly what I was the point I was going to mm. make. I think that. I think um, some of the, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I bumped after the uh, uh, the Frankfurt game. I bumped into uh, to Scott Minto, who you know is a ex Chelsea uh, left back mm. and um, now Sky presenter. And yeah. I've known Scott for years. Cool. And uh, so I was just chatting with him, and I said, Scott, you know what, Ruben Loftus Cheek. I think if he carries on this trajectory of development that he's on and learning and developing physically and increasing his stamina, I think he could be our next Rude Hullet. And Scott went, oh, hold on a minute, mate. He said, yeah, remember, I played with Rude Hullet. Yeah. I said, that's why I'm telling you. Yeah. And he said, well, I don't know about that. I said, just let, us, let it percolate for a bit. Yeah. You think about that because the thing about uh, Ruben is that he has – Great physicality, um, you know, he's, he's well-structured to be a very powerful uh, midfielder. Mm. But his grace and his pace and his touch, his skill and his thinking, uh, I think, he, you know, he's, he has a kind of really creative mind. Mm. Uh, invent, uh, uh, he's inventive with the way that he, uh, he knows what he's going to do with the ball. Mm. And he looks around to see where the player is, and he's got the he's got the answers there. And that's what those are the elements that, for me, mm. remind me of of how great uh, Rude Hullet was. On that on that rig, before I get your thoughts on Callum, mm. what's testament yeah. to what you've just described with Ruben and and his perhaps maybe like you know attacking football intelligence, if you will, mm. or, or whatever you want to call it. What is great testament to that is his 
this is this is another tragic <laughs> thing. This is another tragic thing that seems to end before it's even really started. Is is his link up play with Eden Hazard? Ah, uh, yes. Because they are similar sort of players in in that in that sense. And I remember, I think it was one. I can't remember. I, one of the earlier games in Europa League when he was just breaking into the team properly, he did some sort of combination with Hazard that you could tell Hazard tries to do these dummies, layoffs, or um, mm. you know when he lets mm. it run, it doesn't go off. But he did something with Ruben. He did a one-two layoff goal, and Hazard exactly. jumped. He jumped on Ruben. He was like, "Yes, yes, that's that's, that's what I've been wanting." Exactly. You know, yeah. And from you know, and and from there on, you just he just they're like they're like sort of almost like. Without getting too poetic or romantic, it's, it's kind of like a football-y soulmate. Like, um, you know, people often people um complain about this team lacks partnerships and chemistry. Well, I, I'm definitely one of those people. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, exactly. So that that that's really just my point on that. That you know, it's a very it's kind of sad because it's testament to Ruben's ability, and it's just another heartbreaking thing that never really got to flourish. Sadly. One thing I I think as well that we must never underestimate about. Ruben, he's, he's, he's one of the few players uh, that in games where we find ourselves, um, our, our offensive players are playing with their backs to goal a lot. They're facing, they're facing the ball, waiting for it. To, they're having to, you know, they've got two or three players be, behind and one in front to nip the ball off them and things. Mm. The great thing about Ruben Loftus-Cheek is that in transition, he's fantastic at turning... Uh, a defence into attack or when a ball is played out from defence mm. he can switch really quickly mm. leave the player for dead and then suddenly the whole of their defence is carved open yeah. and that that's a to be able to do that as regularly as he does is mm. a, a really valuable skill mm. and um, we don't have a lot of players that can do that mm-hmm. and, the, and it's it's a facet of his game that arises from his physicality and his skill mm. uh, because he can hold these players off when they're trying anything to they bounce off him, don't they? Just, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And he's got the skill. Like, I mean, some of those touches that we've seen this season where the ball comes to him and he kind of catches it and he's in step and mm, turns, flicks it round. Yeah. Oh, it's just beautiful. Lovely. Yeah, so, so on that, and I, I agree completely, and um, although it's physical dominance that definitely like asserts those moves very well, but he is graceful on the ball, he's got light Absolutely. touches, and um, he is very good the way he sort of um, approaches and takes on players, which sort of leads me on to the way Callum plays. Callum obviously yes. doesn't have the physicality, um, but when he, play, I mean, obviously he's a great right winger and putting balls in. But when he plays on that left side, he he dribbles with both feet, Callum, which is like a yes. rare a rare attribute um, for players. So he can sort of shuffle. He does that. Sh- he's not going to like bundle you over like Ruben, but he can shuffle you. And if he's you know a nippy little fella that's coming in quick, that that does scare defenders because they don't want to foul him. They don't know what he's doing. You know <laughs> where he's going to go. Yes. He can't he can't do what Hazard does when Hazard like. He, Hazard does that, but then he slows down time, doesn't he? Hazard, he just walks in front of you and like looks at the ball, and then like he slows down time, and then he can speed up again. And his his like first two yards, Eden Hazard. I mean, it's it's all in that booty of his, but but um he can't quite do the time slow that Hazard does, but he does do that thing where he shuffles it with both feet and can be very direct. Because I mean, these two players hugely direct in terms of just making things happen, and and. Sorry, I mean, it, it can be seen as a criticism of Sorry that he doesn't really want this or he, he didn't want this, but he wasn't brought in for any of this. He was brought in to be to implement something systemically, 
Um, yes. It does look like that hasn't worked on the whole, whether it be personnel or him with growing pains or teething issues with English football or his team. But he said he sort of saw these players and saw the how effective they were. I was like, well, you know, I'm still going to play 4-3-3 in passing football, but fine, let's bang Ruben in the midfield because <laughs> look at this guy's changing games for me. And, <laughs> you know, let's let's, let's play Hudson-Odoi because he's, he's adding a new dynamism and directness that... That we need, so I mean, presumably, it's an interesting point. Yeah. Whether the whether four three three, I know that we had, uh, that Callum has successfully played uh, wide left uh, more t- with more success, frankly, than mm. playing wide right. Yeah, but maybe there's another system that would that he'll find that suits him even better. But that mm. said, um, this is a really young man who's just turned uh, eighteen. <laughs> it's it's yeah. extraordinary. Yeah. yeah. And it, look at his effectiveness. And what I love about Callum is, firstly, that he uh, he has a well of confidence and knowledge at, at uh, junior levels mm. that he's bringing to bear at, at senior football. Mm. So he shoots early, which mm. is always a great trait. Yeah. Um, he plays with his head up, which is, which is another great trait. Mm. I mean, you know, you take for granted the, the skill. He doesn't have that kind of... I think he doesn't have that sort of matrix ability that Eden Hazard has. Yeah, that's but, you know, yeah. uh, he, he can't kind of see uh, chess mo- three you know, ch- three yeah. moves on a chessboard yeah. three uh, ahead. Yeah. But um, he has that injection of pace, skill, and I think he his delivery of a ball is fantastic. Mm. And he finds the net. Mm. And um, you know, other we we don't know how good. Callum could be. Mm. We'll find out over the next two or three years. And, oh, and what, there was lots of, uh, obviously, lots of concern that Bayern were uh, were going to snap him up, and mm. he could understand that. Although personally, eighteen, I think he's too early to be saying, um, "Okay, you've got to ransom." Oh, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Mm. And you've got, you've got. I, I, I don't go down that, that holding the club to ransom route. But what I would say is that he's eighteen. Um, he needs to bide his time, uh, and uh, and and he did he did that, uh, or rather he didn't move in January. So and he mm. got the, the benefit of, well, of of lots more action. Yeah. And I think I personally, the interesting thing, of course, is I mentioned it earlier. He uh, Callum is more effective on the left, and mm. if there is a vacancy in that position. Mm. Um, then you could see him with a number ten on his back, maybe in the well, uh, next season. Be a great PR move for the for the frustrated Chelsea fans. I feel like <laughs> Chelsea fans would much rather. It sounds a bit harsh, but I feel they would much rather see the number ten on Callum than what looks like a very nice young professional and Christian Pulisic. But um, he's impressive. I've got to say, I saw yeah. you know I've seen the interviews, oh, um, but I, but, yeah. I, but I agree with you. Yeah. Um, I think. It would be a kind of fitting reward, I think, for, mm. for Callum. So on on that on Callum, I mean, for me, by all accounts, he did hand in a transfer request to um, Marina Granaskaya. I mean, I don't know if you if you know any more about that, but you know, no, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know only what's what's yeah, been reported. Yeah. So I Liam don't have Toomey, no inside knowledge yeah. on that. Well, yeah. yeah, okay. So Liam Toomey and the Zark and seller and people were saying, you know, he did or whatever. Um, but you know, got to find those. But the, but the point being, I, I was there when he was 17 last season, and he got his yes. first goal and assist. And yeah. I don't know if it is, but it may well still be his pinned tweet on his Twitter page, like "Dream come true." <laughs> he, he 
bloody loves Chelsea. He, 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 he does. He, he loves Chelsea. He's won everything at youth level. That's another thing when you um sort of waxing lyrical about these elements he's brought with him, he's shooting early and stuff, and also winning, winning yes. his his experiences with football. Yeah, his experience. He's effective, but his experiences with football are winning football games and yes, exactly. and winning trophies. So, I mean, that's just something to be said. But he love he, he does love the club. He loves his teammates. He's he's professional. He's humble. Um, I think he's a religious lad. He um the way he like speaks to his teammates and has fun and you know works hard and you know sorry for all of his like um rough edges and stuff he when late latter part of the seasons in the press conferences when people started talking about Callum he did smile and was like he's a good boy you know he's a good boy he like you know <laughs> he likes him so um I feel like all things considered um you know he it, it kept, it kept he got his England call up um and he carried and went back into the Chelsea first team and it's just all going too perfectly for him to suddenly now go Right now, I want to go over to um, a Bayern who are in a, they're in a rebuild, yes, but Gnabry's been very good for them. And I just feel like it's just perfectly set up for him to stay. I feel like Ruben would re-sign, Callum would re-sign. And, um, well, in, this, in the second part, we'll talk about after the... We'll do a preview to Baku, but then we'll talk yeah. about what Chelsea could look like um, in the future. Yeah, sure. But um, any, maybe to end on this season, is there any other sort of... I mean, I've sort of done it to death on um, on this podcast, but you know the, the the divide with Sari. I mean, maybe a quick sort of few words on him. How he was brought in to do a job. Um, he wasn't mm. brought in to be a pragmatist. He was requested to deliver a certain foot. He was requested to deliver his Napoli football as best as possible and reach the top four. Perhaps the first objective <laughs> hasn't been met too well, but um. I I've I maintain the same position. I wouldn't cry for him particularly if he got sacked tomorrow. I'd be worried for the club because I'm not sure that would leave us in a stable position to to really mm. with these players and the ban. And I don't think I think I'd leave us worse off if he went personally. Um, but I see I see positive elements with him. Like everyone thinks he's. I mean, he, he could definitely put a suit on, stop chewing fags, and maybe clap the <laughs> maybe clap the fans. But I I, I think it, there's something. No, I think those, I think those I think those those are all they're valid. Of, but you know, yeah. I've watched his presses, nearly all of them, and every now and again he makes me laugh. I like it when he winds up the Sun Journal. Um, you know, <laughs> it's flashes of like other you know content and um, Jose and stuff. But how do you feel about it, Rick? Um, in hindsight, now looking back. Well, I thought I thought earlier in the season, as I as I said, if the season had, uh, was the other way round, I think we'd probably feel a lot more yeah. positive about. Yeah, we'd be moving the forward. So-called yeah. Ball. Yeah, yeah, you'd sense that there was, you know, this uh, the triangular passing, the high pressing, all the the, the, mm, the facets of that, of that yeah. game. Yeah, mm. exactly. Um, but I think teams pretty early sussed out how to counter that, mm. and only uh, we. To a degree, we're still trying to work out how to counter the counter, if you like. Mm. Um, just, and I just, think... just quickly, Rick, before you carry on, I, th- I feel like th- that's true, but I feel like it's not that necessarily his philosophy had been figured no. out. I feel like what was being presented on the pitch had been figured Abs- out. So. Absolutely, absolutely. Because what we... And uh, don't forget, uh, people forget that... I know that uh, maybe he was cut a slightly desultory figure, but we had... <laughs> Alvaro Morata uh, uh, earlier in this season, so mm. we did have a different dynamic up front. Yeah, uh, that's a good earlier point. Earlier in this season, yeah, that's a good point. And and f- f- he, uh, he left. Um, other players 
hit the ground Fabri- running and Fabregas then faded out. As well. Fabregas yeah, was gone. Exactly. He, he was very effective. He didn't yeah. want he didn't want Fabregas to go. He definitely saw value in him. Well, but he wasn't using him as much as uh, Fabregas wanted, and mm. you know it's the it's the it's the other side of the coin, the Callum Hudson Odoi coin, isn't it? Play mm. me or let me go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, but but I, I would say this that one thing that I do. Uh, I think lots of supporters have been disappointed about, and uh, this isn't uh, just about uh, Sari, it's about the players as well, and it's about the mentality. That, mm. you know, we've, uh, there have been several matches this season where uh, there have been really important uh, matches for us, and the team has not turned up. It's like wet, and that's yeah. something, and that's something that is really not a Chelsea. Uh, attribute or hasn't been for mm. 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we, you know, we've got one of football's biggest banquets coming up next week and I just hope we don't turn up on the table half cooked. Oh. I'd be really uh, concerned about that because mm-hmm. I do think there's a, men- there's a physical and mental frailty uh, to us that I think that's something that uh, has to be Addressed. That's that's a that's a fine, um, stern and sobering point to end part one on because I, I agree. I agree. It's um it's not necessarily it, it's a collective character. You could Absolutely. say you could say ours oh, no leaders or you know we're quite a small team mm. physicality. But regardless to what football you're trying to play, there's something very un Chelsea about that characteristic. You're 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 quite right to bring that up and um mm. that's recognised and I think that's sort of taken in and. You know, people voice their frustrations, and they, you know, they end up putting it on um, Jorginho and uh, sorry. Um, it's, seeing as we're looking back, I do want to, I do want to finish part one. But um, Jorginho, for me, I feel like personally, he's a fantastic footballer. Uh, he's got a lot of stick. His form's picked up. He yeah. did have a rough patch. His form's picked up. I feel like he's a very fast-thinking, um, you know, cerebral footballer. What's your thoughts on yeah. him, quickly? Well, you, you know what, uh, I've been saying this. All season, even when he was going through a bad patch, he never hid. Uh, he was always encouraging. Mm. Uh, he, 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 you know, even when he was getting booed, take, he was booed. You know, he was taken off and booed when he was coming on and things, mm. which I think is disgraceful. But Same, yeah. um, he, for me, he was. It wasn't that he wasn't trying, and we've had a few people that have looked weary and fed up and whatever he wasn't one of those mm. things were not coming off for him mm. but quite often there was a there was a problem with uh our setup mm. that there weren't enough players close to him or that yeah they opponents, weren't, yeah, they weren't know, available he, for the passes and that's the number of times mm. you see him standing there with his arms out where have you all gone you know mm. don't hide from me mm. uh, because he is the fulcrum of the uh, mm. of our system yeah. everything goes through him yeah. and i think you're you're right to point out that certainly in the last month uh, I think he turned a lot of people's uh, minds back to uh, his qualities. You mm. know, yeah, exactly, and uh, and uh, how influential he can be playing the ball. You know, mm. there's patterns down uh, where we can actually just lace through t- teams, and before before they know it, they're stitched up. Mm. And um, you know, we uh, he's instrumental to that. He encourages the fluency, and I think his personality. You're right to say. Mm the lack of leadership that there is generally in the squad. He's not one of the... He's not someone who hides away at all. He encourages and he's shouting at people and he's trying to get everyone going. So I think... Like Kepa. I think he's like Kepa. Exactly. And they've... Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but also... No, no, go ahead. But also he's... um, 
I know it sounds like it's, it's kind of like um, mm. tr- relatively trivial, but for me, it's actually quite <laughs> important that he, he too has done, they've both done English interviews already, you know, and for me, that shows yes. de- devotion and, uh, and immersion. And, you know, I mean, I love Diego Costa. Commitment. Yeah, shows yeah. Commitment. Yeah, I mean, I, I love Diego Costa, but I feel like he would yeah. have been a different man for us if he spoke English or learned English to talk to us. Um, well, anyway. language is how you, you know, mm. if you don't speak the language, it can feel claustrophobic can feel like a prison mm. you can't communicate yeah uh, it, it, and and the corollary to that is that it makes you want to be surrounded by people whose language who, mm. who so speak you, your language so you, cliques, you feel, yeah. yeah and you feel homesick and yeah. all these kinds of things so yeah. i think that, that's i think you're exactly right the cultural immersion the the determination yeah. that's to, a good way of putting it rick yeah you know that's 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 what it's about yeah Lovely. Okay, that's a positive note. Let's end part one there. Um, in part two, we'll be shooting the shit about the Baku game <laughs> and then Chelsea beyond. Welcome back to part two of the Anacon Chelsea podcast. I am delighted to still be joined with Rick Glanville, Chelsea historian, esteemed author, general Chelsea man, and uh, <laughs> nice chap. Um, so now, now I've got his titles out of the way. Um, yeah, we've <laughs> we've uh, Esquire, Esquire, Esquire. Oh yeah, near OBE. Um, so yeah, we're gonna. Let's start, Rick, with the game in Baku. Um, mm. I feel like I don't really want to waste too much time on it, but I'll do this sort of obligated statement of how I think the setup and organisation is a bit farcical. Um, yes. In, in the sense of it's a mile away. The two favourites for the final were indeed the two London clubs, Chelsea mm. and Arsenal. Um, 70,000 allocation, yet they only delegate 6,000 each to the respective clubs. Um, one of the main players isn't even safe to travel to their country. Well, that's that's outrageous, I'm yeah, afraid. That's outrageous. Um, I did actually. I mean, on a minor tangent, I did. I thought the um the final whistle on hate game idea project campaign was an excellent one and a great PR move for Chelsea. But I think slightly farcical of how we arranged that as well. Um, I, I don't know. I, you know, I I think. We've seen actually. The weird thing is this season that when uh, when these players have had a break, they've mm. performed worse. <laughs> yeah. After when they've come back from it. Yeah. So I think something that keeps that slightly competitive edge, okay. and it is a good cause. I think I agree with what uh, uh, mm. really what uh, Sari said, which is as a man, uh, you know, I wholeheartedly support the aims and the issues mm. um, of this match. But as a coach. It's difficult for me, but having said that, yeah. look, you know, I, 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 and obviously Loftus Cheek is a big loss, but that mm. could have happened, yeah, uh, at I mean, any time. Yeah, I mean, I was react, no, I, I wasn't reactionary. I, I made like a very measured tweet, like you know, <laughs> professed with, of course, a very good cause, but uh, yeah, slightly, ever I made like a very sort of like British, like sort of <laughs> underhand tweet about it. But yeah, I was a bit reactionary. But anyway, so like you know, I think with everyone, what is worried? Just sorry, Yannick, but on, what is slightly concerning? Is the pattern of uh, injuries that the we've had? The Achilles, Both, yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, and we have had a number of other uh, quite serious and chronic uh, conditions, mm. back problems for yeah. Ampadu and and Doctor's Cheek yeah. as well. I think Ruben's so been we, there's his something whole life that we need to look at. We need yeah. something we need to look at. It's weird because that's not very Chelsea, is it? I thought we we're pretty. Good no, no, it? we've had a, a remarkable run of of uh, clear 
you know, a few injuries. I mean, if mm. you do, if you ever lots of people go on that physio room uh, website, and if you look at the number of injuries we've had, mm. serious ones, it's very few. Yeah. For you know what years it is. You know what it is. It's it's ever since Jose scared off my future wife. <laughs> So, still looking for her. Anyway, um, all right, let's come back to Baku. Um, uh, are you are you going over there? No, do you no. know what? I, uh, this time last year, when we qualified for the Europa League, mm. um, I booked a, uh, a hotel room in Baku for me and my wife. Mm. Um, but I just couldn't make the finances work. It's just it's too mental. expensive. It's so, bloody mental, mate. Like, uh, I'm missing my first... Uh, final since 1971. Oh wow, we well con- congratulations so pretty, on an immaculate I'm pretty upset record. about that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I can appreciate <laughs> that, but it's an immaculate record, Rick. There's um, and, uh, I've I've been to two Chelsea Cup finals. I mean, I've been to a bunch of games, but I've been to two mm. Chelsea Cup finals in my life. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm the plastic one. But then again, I'm not I'm not I'm not the Chelsea historian. And uh, but, you know, the, th- the thing on. about it is that um, uh, you know. Uh, we do we do have a, a global fan base, and I do hope that hundreds, if not thousands, of our supporters mm. in the neighbouring areas like Turkey and yeah. uh, you know, Iraq and places, we've got loads of supporters in that mm. neck of the woods, and I hope, mm. and Russia, obviously, so I hope they lots of them get to experience it. And yeah, look, let's face it, you know, it's funny, the Europa League isn't the Champions League. It very much isn't the Champions League. It's mm. still massively important. Of course. But it's the League Cup final of Europe. Mm. It's, that's, that's its kind of position. Mm. And having said that, <laughs> for the last few years, <laughs> yeah. it's been the gateway to the Champions League, which mm. it is for Arsenal. Mm. And it's the gateway to um, pot one of the group stage for us if we win it. Mm. So there's a lot at stake. The, well, I feel like you've, the, you've missed you've missed the biggest element at stake there. It's the <laughs> it's the element of at for the positive for Chelsea for condemning Arsenal to Thursday night football. Oh yes, surely exactly. top of the podium. Sure. <laughs> um, all right, I'm all for that. I mean, you know, as I say, I'm I live in North London. Yeah, there's no team I dislike more than Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you. Right. Well, there you go. The incentive is there. So, so for the listener, both me and um, Rick have been doing respective previews Rick for um, Chelsea officially and uh, and me for a YouTube channel so I think that's sort of cooked up a bit of concern <laughs> when when you ins- <laughs> when you inspect perhaps form and whatever I, I, I did there's a dismal stat of um, um, Chelsea only winning twice out of our last two meetings two meetings sorry excuse me ten meetings um, <laughs> that with- would be a good I'd love that <laughs> yeah yeah um, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Sorry, uh, I am a little bit under the weather still, so I'm running at about two cylinders. But um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, two two out of ten. And for me, it's it, since the arrival of Antonio Conte, which you know he was had a wonderful first season for us. But for some reason, Wenger had the sign over us from then, and even Emery sort of seemed to have picked that up a little bit. Maybe seeing you know we got very lucky to beat them in the. F- in the uh, first fixture in the league <laughs> this season. That's weird. I mean, we've had yeah. some you know for. for it seems to go in spells us and Arsenal. When I was uh, when I was growing up in the sixties, uh, we never used to lose to Arsenal. Mm. And then it was kind of uh, to and froing for a while. And then uh, if you think in uh, two thousand and four, I don't, don't think we beat them for years. And mm. you know they always used to get the last minute equaliser or the last minute winner against mm. us. And um, 
and um, you know they were the grandees. They were the success. Mm. I mean, it's a it's an interesting stat. I was looking at this that of the last twenty five cups and titles and trophies won by London clubs, twenty four of them have been Chelsea and Arsenal. <laughs> uh, so sixteen Chelsea. Uh, 10. 25, so 25 cups, so that would include like a league and FA Cup? Including the Super Cup. So, okay, right, okay. You know, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know and, uh, and one Tottenham. Tottenham are the only... To, to, we, to show, to illustrate how dominant Chelsea and Arsenal have been in London over the last mm. 25 years, since mm. 19, since 2000 or whatever, I think mm. it is. Mm. Um it's incredible, isn't it? It's it a is 96, 96% of London trophies have been mm. won by us, mostly us, uh, mm. I have to say. It's, it's well, that's uh, 16, 8 and, and 1, I think it is, is the split. And, and that's the last trophy that Spurs won, wasn't it? That was the... Um, yeah, exactly, 2008, the league yeah. cup, which we would which we quickly gloss over. And oh. let's hope it's still the last cup they oh, won. Oh, my goodness. I mean, <laughs> After yeah. a, two weeks I don't, I don't, I don't want this... <laughs> Don't want this podcast to go too X-rated, but nor nor do you want to hear a grown man just do like a fucking breakdown on there. Um, so we're gonna go. We're gonna go past any of, of that other competition. Um, and but per- you know what? The other thing that you can. The other thing that to, to think positively is I know that they had Arsenal. I'm talking about uh, had success in their last two away games in the knockout stage. Of the Europa League, yeah, that's their, their form away from Emirates is appalling, mm. and and this isn't something that is confined to uh, Arsenal under Emery. It's Emery when he was at Seville was pretty yeah. much the same thing. Well, didn't he, he have, had, didn't, uh, he have, didn't he like not win a game at home for Seville for in a eight, year or something, something like that? Something like it completely was, dismal, yeah. And then he kind of turned it around, but uh, still he was dogged by this idea that. He, I, I personally, I find it difficult to fathom. What do you do at home that you don't do away? I mean, you turn up, you, you've got the same preparation. Mm. Okay, the crowd's different, but look, we all know that we like to think that we influence things, but we mm. don't. You know, they're professional footballers. So what? Something is going on. Something well, is going on there. It must be a tactical thing, and that's something that I think we can talk about as well because mm. we, put, if you remember. I mean, how do how do the two teams prepare tactically for this? Are they going to think uh, Emery likes to play against? If he likes, he learnt the lesson from the first that kind of crazy gang. Well, uh, game that's worked, the... didn't they? <laughs> that was <laughs> it's, yeah, it's absolutely incredible that yeah. um, that they didn't score more and we didn't score more, and that was it three two ended, didn't yeah. it? But yeah, he learnt from that. Yeah. Even though everything both. Uh, flanks were just completely open. It was just preposterous. Yeah, um, I think uh, Cesar had one of his worst games for us. Mm. Uh, still ended up on the on the winning side, and Marcus Alonso likewise. But yeah. um, when we played them at Emirates and they won two 0 they played three in midfield. One of whom was Ramsey, and obviously he's not going to be there. Yes. But I think that's what I think yeah. that is not what they've been doing in. European games, so they, so Emery has a conundrum that he has to work out there. That's he, interesting. Does he, does he yeah. sacrifice? Does he stick with two midfielders and two wing backs, so making a four in there, mm. or does he, does he go revert to the four three three that he's used successfully against us in particular? Mm. And of course, we have the other thing: is that uh, again at Arsenal in January, 
um, we used Eden Hazard as a centre forward, yeah. and he has a sensational goal scoring record against um, Arsenal. Arsenal, but mm. it didn't work, and mm. he, he waited till the 70th minute to bring Olivier Giroud on. Mm. Um, and yeah. let's not let's not let's not forget this isn't going to be a European game. This is going to be a London derby. derby yeah, yeah, it yeah, happens so, to be three thousand miles away, but it's still a London derby. Yeah, okay. So there's there's like a whole host of really good salient points you made there, <laughs> and I'm going to try and dissect a few. Um, yeah, that's a really interesting point because it is worrying how convincingly they both brushed away Valencia and more notably Napoli mm. um, yeah. considering how easy our, our run was and we still made it bloody hard at times against Prague and mm. Frankfurt um, especially at home yeah yeah absolutely um, I didn't go to the Prague game at home but I was at the Frankfurt game and I was just mm. You know, I, was like, I was surrounded by Germans in the West End, <laughs> and I, like, I look at the penalties, and I was like, "Why? You know, I've got to get over at some point." It was terrifying, anyway. But that was far too stressful. Um, so yeah, there's that. I think a really good salient point is um, no Aaron Ramsey. He loves scoring in a final. Um, mm. I, I remember one of the finals I was at was the was the final against Arsenal a couple two or three years ago when we were supposed to roll yes. them. Um, I was still celebrating the Diego Costa equaliser when Ramsey scored the winner. Um, so yeah, uh, so that was a hollow laugh. Well, yeah, it, been, it, it was it was more hollow than it sounded. Yeah, <laughs> well, I tell you what, uh, that is their midfield, right? So if they play it, they could play a diamond with Özil behind Lacazette and Aubameyang. Now they're the two frightening things of this game let's be real yes. it will be their strikers they've got two good strikers we've got and the wing backs well, well, well Maitland Niles maybe not Kolasinac so much yeah. but the wing backs those, those ones and Ozil if he turns up well this yes. is it this is it Rick because you know playing that diamond if it, if it was a Ramsey at the tip of a diamond behind them two I'd be crapping myself personally mm. but the fact mm. is Ramsey's done now for Arsenal so uh, whether they, uh, uh, he might not fancy Herzl for this because this is the kind That's of what like, I wonder. yeah because he he would he'd, he'd want industry and he'd want yes. you know physicality and he can Absolutely. see and he won't or he knows he doesn't get that from Herzl so yeah. I see a more conventional midfield free perhaps not a diamond with Xhaka, Torreira and the French lad Gendouzi. Um, I can. I, I agree with you. I think mm. that's that's a definite possibility. Mm. And then the only thing then is. Does he use Maitland-Niles as one of the three up up front? Yeah, which is a possibility. Mm. Um, or Wobi. Or Wobi, and mm. Wobi's done quite well against this. Um, yeah, he is. He's a good. He's very good when he's on the ball. Like, he looks very like threatening, but his end product is often poor. yeah, it's patchy. patchy it's patchy. Yes. Yeah. So the the thing is, I feel like if we marshal the two marksmen will be okay because their defence I mean I, I said in my preview earlier that their defence is even worse than ours but <laughs> Chelsea have had 16 clean sheets in the Premier League this season that's actually yes. really good um, yeah. and they've had eight they've had like eight so we've had twice as many um so well, he's going to be in goal for them. That's the other thing. Yeah, that's something else I brought up. I was like, a- a- Agent Petter check. That's a that's a that's a wonderful thing. To, another thing to pick up because if, um, I don't know if you've seen Arsenal fans reacting on social media there. Oh yes. Yeah. So oh, yes. Um, that's a good fun. I've had texts from old schoolmates, of course. Yeah. I know. mean, obviously, I mean it's nonsense. Check checks a professional, and he, you know, he'll. Want that's to... the worst thing. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what's fucked up about it. But you know, and also he, he's he's got he's got form in a European Cup final. As 
well, which is um... ah, that's the thing you don't want to go to. You don't want to go to a penalty shootout. No, no. checking goal. Yeah. So anyway, I mean that's. Yeah. I mean, it, like we say, you can't really call it. It depends how both. It depends how Emery sets up, and it depends. I think the biggest question is is the Maurizio Sarri fun word of the season motivation. Because we have qualified for the Champions League, and for them, this is the be all or end all. So, ah, that's the thing. That's so, the... is a trophy and condemning Arsenal to Thursday night football enough? Because it bloody well should be, but what do you think, mate? Well, a couple of things. I like the trophies. First of all, it's got no handles. Mm. <laughs> I like the uniqueness of it, the heaviest. Abstract. Uh, designed by an Italian, mm. and only, I, I don't think. Uh, uh, very few teams have won it twice. Mm. Um, now, these well, are things that people like me and you care about. Yeah, yeah. Players yeah. don't. Yeah. But I think, you know, um, I'm, I'm sort of contradicting myself a little in that I, I said that I felt that at times they've been uh, quite pathetic uh, against in matches that really counted. Um, and in fact, it's not just this season. If you think back to Tottenham last season, mm. that was uh, a diabolical performance. Mm. And it, there's, it sometimes feels like that, that everything's really deflated. Well, I think I don't think I can't see that happening here. I really can't see that happening in this final. Mm. And I think um, that will be. I think they'll discover their their hunger. Um, and I think you know the. I know we've got lots of injuries and things. But look, it wouldn't. Chelsea wouldn't be Chelsea without going into a European final with loads of absentees. Yeah, exactly. I mean, for my preparation, I was listing, looking at, looking back at who we were lacking in, uh, in the previous, uh, uh, pre- the last couple of finals we've been in, mm. and, uh, and it's just absolutely right. In two, 2012, um, we had Ramirez, Branner, JT. Real Morales were suspended, and uh, okay, you could argue that three of the four would have would have been involved uh, in that mm. had they been available. And 2013, uh, injured were Ryan Bertrand, Mikel, Eden Hazard. Of course, that's yeah. something that we mustn't forget. Yes. That factor. Mm. If you're talking about someone who's going to be motivated, mm. you know he didn't play yeah, in 2013. That's a good point. There's baby he Hazard jo- then, wasn't there? Yeah, exactly. Mm. You know. You've got so Eden Hazard was was injured, Oriol Romeo, and uh, John Terry uh, was in, was injured, and also Denver Bar was cup tied. So we we got loads. Oh, shit, we, had, yeah. we always have this adversity, mm. and we always find you know whoever it is, uh, an unexpected hero steps up and and does it for us. Mm. But I think, look at this. Eden Hazard. We talk, everyone's talking about Petr Cech's last game. It yeah. could be Eden Hazard. I was going to ask you about that. Us. Yeah, that was it. You know, that was my next question. That's the thing. You know, if you're looking for motivation, how motivated is Eden Hazard? The man who wrote uh, about a couple of hours after we won in 2012. I'm, I'm joining. Mm. I'm joining the the European champions or whatever it was. Mm. Uh, you know, he, that's he has that uh, that feeling of. Uh, eventfulness and mm. I wonder whether he you know I wonder whether this would be his moment whether this will be the Eden Hazard final oh that'd be lovely wouldn't it I mean um, 
Yeah, for him to light up the pitch one last time. Oh. Actually... And against Arsenal, he scored loads of great goals against them. Yeah, I mean, Coquelin's still spinning, that's the term, isn't it? But, um... <laughs> Oh, yeah, I've got like a little. I mean, I mean, yeah. Okay, so we can move on to Ed and Hazard. I mean, uh, I feel, I feel like. Can I? Can I ask you for a score prediction for the final, Baku? Oh, two-one Chelsea. Yeah, I, I feel like both teams to score Chelsea to win by one goal. So similar. Mm. Um. So yeah, I mean, a quick word on Hazard. I, I'm sure we'd share the sentiments of a great servant. We wouldn't. Um. You know. Mm. We wouldn't begrudge him the move, and I've almost got. I don't. I've got. I bloody hate Real Madrid. I just do. Um, but <laughs> they're not very good at the moment. Are yeah, they? well, exactly. You know, they're they're a bit of a, yeah complete shit show actually. But there's um there's something about. I'm not. I'm a Chelsea fan. I'm not an Eden Hazard fan. But I yes. probably would be looking for the stream for his first game at Real Madrid. <laughs> and you know, I didn't he, you do that for Timo Courtois? <laughs> Yeah, I did. I did. Look at this mistake. Yeah, I was gonna say I did at halftime when I saw how many goals they were done. But um, yeah, so um, yeah, with 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 Ed, and you can he, we we know he loves Chelsea. We know he loves the fans. He's got the shed end banner. He's um, he does love Chelsea, and you know the the his reasonings for wanting to finally get his dream move as a kid makes complete sense. And on that, but he does love Chelsea. So with that, I can see in a year's time. Chelsea, Chelsea, Real Madrid playing Tottenham Hotspur in the Champions League, and him <laughs> him having a little glimmer in his eye, and uh, and you know when he, he he's he it was a him and Fabregas said they don't want Spurs to win the league that you know that yes. year, and he banged it, he scored the decisive goal. And oh, you, can you imagine? Yeah, and you and you saw him. So that is something that will not leave Eden Hazard, and and for me, I'd take great joy in watching him put you know Tottenham to the sword in Europe before. And, you know, I feel like there's a part of Chelsea that would never leave him. Um, anything you want to add before before we talk about the squad moving forwards on, on Ed and Hazard? No, all I'd say is I agree with you that we've been we've had him for seven years and um, we've seen him develop into one of the great players in the world. Mm. He can be even better. Yeah. I think he could still be even better for Chelsea. Yes. But yeah. um, mm. we're but... not going to... Chances are we're not going to see that i'd love him to stay i'd love him to turn around uh, uh you know after the game and say i'm staying with the european champions <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean he's, he's a joker so it, yeah. can, it can happen um but you know i don't i don't know um, yeah well, no he's got for me uh, for me i think i've got two hopes there his, his recent comments uh in the mix zone when you're talking to simon Johnson and all that yeah. when he says look I made my decision Get, he said getting to top four didn't change my decision no. he's, basically, he's basically waiting for the club to let him go he's like look, I don't want to screw the club over I'm waiting for them to give me the green light that's where he's at essentially well and we can neatly segue into where that's mm. where that fits into a potential two window transfer ban or mm. one window whatever I mean I don't uh, feel that, I don't think that affects it I, I, I apparently not I, him necessarily but no. can uh, the ability of the club to replace someone like him or to bring in staff of uh, similar quality. Yes, we've talked about Callum hudson Adair, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, but you can't lose someone from your squad like that without making an effort to replace them. It's the goals, and isn't it, Rick, essentially? It is, yes, well, it is not just 
scoring them but creating them yeah i mean he, and... he's the best entertainer in the that's the sort of yes. question i wanted to, to yeah. finish on with you with him that i don't want to ask you if he's the best player in the league but i feel like he's the most entertaining player in the league would you agree with that i think i think he's one of those players that uh other teams love to watch mm. because of his impishness and his sheer love of the game yeah uh, allied to the artistry that he brings and they're just the joie de vivre that he has mm. when in the way that he celebrates and the way that he sometimes, you know, he'll say, I'm going to beat four players and score a goal, and he goes and does it. Mm. And there's something really fulfilling about that. Yeah, it's going to make me sad, this part of the pod. Um, <laughs> all right, so, yeah, abs- the thing is, for me, I feel like Chelsea, if they want to sign players onto new long-term contracts, like... Um, you know, like Ruben and Callum and give Ruben maybe a bit more money than Callum because mm. he probably deserves it in terms of his age and effectiveness to the mm. team. Um, maybe I, I read some stuff that could be a nonsense about Chelsea could do with just the money in the bank for the moment with FFP, with Hazard and putting people on contracts. Not saying that they won't replace him. But for me, I feel like making Callum hudson a a starter this season out of nowhere when he wasn't a starter bringing in Pulisic in the summer as a starter mm. um, bringing back Tammy to be uh, to deputise yes. behind yes. you know so all, all of that collectively as in you know maybe seeing as Ruben will be out but I reckon this wouldn't have been the case initially because I think Mason Mount is in the perfect place with Frank Lampard especially if they get promoted yes. but I did change my tune ever so slightly when I found out Ruben's going to be out for six months, and I thought, "Ooh, there's a, there's a go- there's a goal space there for a, for a very talented Mason Mount, you know." And I was very much of the parish saying, "No, no, you should absolutely continue his loan." I was one of the people thinking Ampadu should go out on loan because I don't think he's going to start a centre back. I think if we get a Frank, give us Mount back, but you can have Ampadu at Derby for a season. I think that would do him a world of good. Um, yeah, let me well, get, let me get your thoughts. Yeah, mate. I, have to, I, 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 well, I'm interested. I, like a, like all the fans, you know, you you weigh up the pros and cons of a ban. No mm. one wants it, but if it is an eventuality, are there benefits to it? And one of them could definitely be that we would look to our own more. Mm. And whereas, uh, like a, I certainly think. I mean, I've watched uh, Reese James a lot yeah, yeah. this this season and. I can't see why he wouldn't be given a chance to uh, at least contend for right back yeah, ne- next season. Mm. Um, I think Ampadu's been a massive, it's such an unfortunate injury that he's had because I think he would have played an awful lot more mm. games. Don't you, think, course- don't you think as well, Ampadu, out of, he, he's not an academy player. We bought him from Exeter no. at 17, but there's something about a 17-year-old from Exeter that just seemed more chelsea than the rest of them do you know what i mean <laughs> he was putting tackles on 30 year olds and making them have to go off and he was he was uh, celebrating with his teammates he was confident and i was like oh we'll have a bit of that do you know what i mean well first of all he has played for our youth team so although he wasn't an academy product he's a youth product <laughs> it's on paper <laughs> but, yeah but i think but i think you're right i think he definitely has a great football mind i think he's very calm i mean remarkably calm for one so young tough though, um, as well right? record-breaking young player for us mm. and i think again he he has the physicality to to compete we talked about mason mount that's slightly for me still a bit of a it's concern slight, with yeah. with yeah because he is so slight mm. uh, but i think ampadu i think he would have played a lot more games and i, I would definitely want to see him 
back up and running. He, he, I mean, you know that on Wednesday um, you can use four substitutes if he goes into extra time, so three in regular time, an mm. extra one, uh, or all four if you fancy it in extra mm. time, and you can choose from twelve support, twelve um, uh, substitutes. So you can name twelve substitutes, and you can, and you know, so, uh, and, 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 could well be in there. Yeah, and true. George McEachran and a few others. Now, I'm not saying they're going to come on. I was going to say, you're uh, forgetting who our coach is for a little bit. Exactly. (laughs) But what I'm saying is, um, I was thinking, if Ampadu hadn't had that injury, he Mm. would be on that bench or maybe even in the team on merits. Um, And it's been so unfortunate that really, not since, what is it, January, I don't think, he's because of this back, Mm. this lingering back problem that he's had yeah. he's back training now so but anyway the, yeah, the, but generally just quickly sorry, yeah. so just quickly before before on Ampadu, yeah, yeah. i think the issue was with him and i've i've seen him play four different positions at the bridge this season yes. so i think that's one of sorry's issues i think he rates him very yes. highly he kept bringing him up in presses when everyone's like kalamatsu nadoi kalamatsu nadoi and he's like <laughs> ampadu he's awesome yes. <laughs> so he, he was bringing him up so yeah sorry mate go on no no i think you're right i think it's uh, the two sides to that versatility, aren't there? Mm. Um, one is that you you end up forever plugging gaps rather than staking a, a claim and dominating the position yourself. Mm. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, I, as I said, uh, Reese James, I think, definitely is deserving. I mean, Tammy, if... Now, people criticise him for... Uh, that sometimes he's a... His all-round team contribution isn't great, but I think he does. A, I've watched him for Villa, and he does an excellent defensive work at corners. Mm. I think. Sorry, but we need that, a yeah. we need a sniffer in the box as well. That's yeah, the thing. That's it. And he he is that. Okay, mm. he misses a lot. What striker doesn't? But you know he's what? Yeah. you know yeah. he, he gets the chances. He gets the chance. I say. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, younger than younger than Marcus Rashford, yet more senior league goal I know it's in the championship yeah. but more senior league goals than Marcus Rashford he's used to coming up against big dirty centre half oh, in the championship absolutely. and he's banging defenders exactly in and, and he's banging <laughs> in goals so he can you know if we like you said rightly say we need someone to sniff a sniff in the in the 18 yard box yep. attitude attitude Chelsea. taking those he's Chelsea taking those well. he is taking those penalties those pressure Ooh, penalties in nice the, man yeah uh, so it's going to be really interesting to see well, this weekend, uh, Monday, is it? The, yeah, um, I'm, when he has the... I'm so looking forward to that game. You know, I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> it's a Chelsea game, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, what's the, so it's Frank, JT, Abraham, Tamori, Ashley Cole, uh, Mason, Mason Mount, um, uh, some more in there. It, um, yeah, so it's it's, you know, it's a Chelsea extravaganza. Um, I Quickly on Reese James as well, I echo your sentiments about... Him being excellent this season, great attitude. When when he's your player of the month, like three months in a row, and, <laughs> and he's a teenage loney right back, um, incredible. I think I think they moved him into midfield just to stop them from getting relegated. <laughs> so, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So it's it's testament to to him being superb. Um, yeah. So I, I, again, I I think Sari himself recently said he's looking at two or three people out on loan. I would not mm. be surprised if. Certainly, one was Reese James. Maybe one was Tammy Abraham, as it's because he knows he's got striker issues. Ola Aina as well has done has done and well. Torino, whether... yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's true. But we've got um, I Kurt mean, Zuma at Everton. I don't see, know. Yeah, whether... I mean, that's that's what I was going to ask you about. I mean, we're, I was getting short for time now. But how how do you feel mm. about um, Zuma? Because I think he's had a really good season for Everton, apparently. 
I think the issue will be, I mean, look, Gary Cahill was sidelined because he didn't suit the system. And mm. I think that that would be the how Kurt Zuma, who you, you can't doubt his enthusiasm, pace, his ability to, uh, uh, his sense of urgency, which is something sometimes we don't have mm. in our own box. Not you can't player. doubt those facets. But whether it's the, mm. whether he's the right player from a passing perspective. That, I think, uh, for, yeah, I think you made a good point in terms of, he he'll be good at I think he might be a bit of a hybrid because I think Cahill's too mm. much too much of the old English mould for Sarah. Yes. Um and but like you said, a good point is that he has got pace Zuma and he'll carry the ball yeah. forwards. Yeah. Like, you know, Louise would do, maybe not so much Christensen, but mm. and he might like that and he you know, if he's gonna play Alonso because he's tall and good in both boxes, you know, it will see value in Zuma, he'll see value <laughs> yes. in Zuma for that. So he may well be one of them. Um Yes, he's a goal threat, of course. He's a yeah, goal yeah. he's a goal threat. Yeah. So but um, I want I wanna plug some of your, your work to, to finish off in a second, Rick. But to sort of finish uh, part two, um how do you think I mean I'm no sorry cultist by any means <laughs> but I think looking pragmatically in a measured approach I feel like he should have another season um, maybe bring in a couple of loanies and see how we get on to settle the ship over the transfer ban um, I like all Chelsea fans would love nothing more than Frank Lampard to come in and be a successful coach at Chelsea but more so than the lack of um, experience he's got I've heard people talk like journos and people um, that work in football say how he does have a special something for man- man- you know for a manager, but I feel that more importantly for my own like heart, I'd want mm. Chelsea to be conditioned and prepared to by Chelsea, even if it's just Chelsea's standards, the <laughs> uh, the, the utmost standard to to offer him the chance of success because he's the ace up the sleeve for me. Um, and if we if we I know up, what you mean. if we screw up Frank Lampard, there's no do overs, and we're an absolute shit show at the moment. So, how do you feel about Sari Lampard and a coach next season? Well, I think a lot of people, are, uh, I'm one of them, are liking the mood music that the club wants to get more of that. Mm. Chelsea dynasty, that brilliant all-conquering team mm. back at the heart of the club, and I think that would be immensely important. Yes. I agree with you, and I think Frank would probably feel that he would want to get another a couple of years under his belt. You'd hope so. I mean, it, you know, it, it, the championships one thing, and okay, he had campaign, he would have played in domestic cup competitions, but Chelsea. He has to be at Champions League level. He's played at brilliantly at, at that level, but he hasn't coached at that level. Mm. He hasn't coached, you know, 60 games in a season mm. uh, where the stresses and the tensions and the, uh, the it becomes endless. Suddenly the media is a bit more on you as well, yeah. Premier League. Yeah, and, mm. uh, you know, and, and then adversity happens. Now, Frank is never better than in adversity, to be honest. Mm. You know, that's that's where he comes out, pointing and shouting and encouraging and uh, and getting people back when mm. things are going wrong. And always he's believing. Quite quiet when th- yeah, mm. he's quite quiet when things are going well. He's just ticking over, you know, a word here and a word there. So uh, I don't doubt his qualities, but I think himself, I think he would be thinking, hold on a minute, I want to learn a little bit more about this coaching lark. Mm. Uh, and dealing with uh, all of these issues before I get in there. But having said that, if the, if there was an offer, I think he'd he and Jody would bite the hand off. I mm. think they'd 
That's you can't you can't turn that down. Mm. You can't, it, dep- it depends. It depends. Yeah. Well, like you know, you, apparently Boulder County's got a really good relationship with the club. That's how his phone calls pre-season mm. got the players. His loan ears, yeah. you know. So he, um, I don't know if they gave him the offer. If he would, you know, is he going to be like, is this now or never? Do you know? I think the door will always <laughs> be open for him. Do you know what I mean? But so, would you would you agree? Give Sorry another crack, but maybe if it goes to if it all goes to pop three months in, maybe can him then. <laughs> what do you reckon? Ask me after next Wednesday. Okay, that's probably the best <laughs> way to do it. Right. Well, you, you know what, Rick? It's been an absolute joy having you on, man. You know, it's loved it's been, it. It's been really insightful, it. interesting. Um, tell the listener what you're working on, where they can find your writing, or maybe about the tours, and do a few yeah, plugs, okay, mate. And, yeah. and, and, and your Twitter handle, mate. Give that. A... Oh, yeah. My, t- my Twitter uh, name is Rick Glanville, really imaginative. So that's mm. R-I-C-K-G-L-A-N-V-I-L-L, no E at the end. And you'll, I, I plug everything I do on there. So mm. my, uh, pre- my match previews, pre-match briefing that I do with uh, the club statistician, Paul Dutton for every match, so we that one will be going up probably Monday, Tuesday, something like that for for the final. Cool. Um, I write a column, a history column in the the program um, where I pick up, I educate people Absolutely. that think we have no history, and mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and also my tours. I do. Uh, I'm a, a, a professional tour guide as well, so I do guided tours on Chelsea history along the Fulham Road and in in the cemetery, the Brompton Cemetery, uh, pointing out the Chelsea connections, the people that are buried there, including the club's founder and um, first chairman, and people like that in there. Mm, lovely. So you, all you can find, you can find that all out through my through, through my Twitter through account. Twitter page. Well cultured yeah. and versed in all things Chelsea, Mister <laughs> Mister Rick Glanville. It's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, thanks for having me on, Yannick. Really enjoyed. It. There, end of the episode, gang. I really hope you enjoyed tuning in. And once again, like I always say, I really do appreciate your support and tuning into my podcast. Big thank you to Rick for joining me. Um, I had so much fun talking to him. It was a good laugh. And um, yeah, I hope to get him on a couple of times next season. Do go and follow him on his Twitter handle and check out all his work. And yeah, I may well do another episode after the final. I'm not entirely sure, but I'll certainly be looking forward to returning back for a second season of Yannick on Chelsea. So, that being said, guys, up the Chelsea, keep the blue flag flying ever so high, carefree wherever you may be, and I will see you later.